Have you ever wondered what hypnosis might be and what it can do for you? You've come to the right place. Welcome to Hypnosis Everywhere with your host, Inez Simpson. This is the show that talks to everyone from the experienced practitioner to the cautiously curious and yes, even the skeptics. Now, here's Inez Simpson. Well, welcome everybody to Hypnosis Everywhere, and we are lucky enough to have my friend Reverend Tim Jones back. He's by popular demand. <laughs> so I'm just going to ask him, though, to start off with a short bio of himself, because there'll be lots of new listeners here. So uh, please, can you give us a bio and just tell us a little about yourself? Um, I came to this pretty well the same way anybody else did. I was, all, although with a precursor with my career, I was a private investigator, sorry, a police officer and a private investigator for 28 years. Um, and then my, my stepson died at the age of 24, which uh, plunged the depths of my emotions. And after drinking myself to sleep every night for a year, uh, somebody said to me, listen, why don't you take a grief counseling course? Um, because I was already teaching scuba for um, close to three decades. They said, you're a teacher. And teachers learn more easily than students do. So why don't you go ahead and... So I enrolled in a, an American seminary. I did a survey of a number of them. And I came to one that they said, you've got to come down here every six months. You're, just, you're not going to do it all online. So I, I picked them. And I worked through um, a baccalaureate with them, and I learned, I learned whole bunches and whole bunches. And then I was working in a psychotherapy clinic here in um, the Toronto area. It's a large clinic. There are 17 psychotherapists there. Um, and then I, I, was, I, was, I wasn't happy with the fact that I was seeing people for like six months and nine months and sometimes a year. Um, so I remembered that I had, I'd been trained in forensic hypnosis uh, when I was working in the field. So I started to use hypnosis with clients. And so rather than having him, them here for months and months and months doing cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, uh, which, is, which is helpful, but only in some circumstances. Now it's not a main line as far as I'm concerned anymore. Um, I was getting people out in uh, 15 sessions and then 12 sessions and then six sessions. So I uh, retrained in the clinical side through a number of courses uh, in the U.S. and uh, here in Toronto. And um, now in my clinic, um, I offer, um, I mean, hypnosis and counseling, but hypnosis is the nine-tenths of what I do. That's when people come to me. They also know I'm a minister, which means that um, there's a, a trust factor there. There's no judgment anywhere. So people can come and tell me all the weirdest things. They think they're the only person in the whole world who's ever thought this or done this. And I say, you know, I, I don't mean to disrespect you at all, but you're not the only person who's ever thought that. <laughs> which sometimes makes them feel a lot better. But uh, basically what it boils down to is um, through a progression of experience, um, and I still work very heavily as a minister, uh, as a funeral minister, and I marry people, uh, is that over the years, uh, 20 years that I've been working as, uh, or I've been called as a minister, 
I would be sitting with a, a family and going over the order of service for the funeral for the loved one, which is going to happen in, in a day or two days or three days. And then the one particular woman, you know, like 15 years ago or 20 years ago, she said, I, know, I got the whole family gathered around. And she said, I, I know that my husband's okay. And their kids looked at her like this. She said, every night he comes to sleep with me, then we fall asleep with him with his arm around me, uh, like we always did. Um, then in the morning he's gone, but I know he's okay. And all the kids are looking at each other saying, Mama needs her medication. <laughs> every, and after that, it seemed like almost every family I went to, they, they talked about their loved one coming back again in some shape or form. Um, not to all of them, but to one or two of them, or maybe just one of them. And then I started to ask, um, you know, have, has your grandma or has your grandmother or your grandfather, your mother, your aunt, your uncle, have they come back and, and contacted you in any way? And it was surprising because people would take a breath and look at me to see how serious I was and then they'd tell me. Well, you know what did happen? I have uh, an honor to present the funeral services for uh, the nine families. And with every single family, the same thing happens. Um, and you know what? It, it's... it's um, so in mid, so in in counseling, what happened was I was going very close to. I started to do uh, eagle state therapy or uh, parts therapy, and I became very um, very intense with it. <clears throat> so eagle state therapy is when you speak to a part of the personality, a part of the con subconscious that is causing some reaction. For example, if somebody is chewing their fingernails, they never stop doing it. Uh, into the 30s or 40s, then I will, once we're in a hypnotherapeutic state, then I'll go to the subconscious and through a process, um, you know, ask the part that's in charge of the fingernail chewing to come up and talk to me. And I'll ask them what their role is. And all the subconscious is there to protect people. You know, it's not there to, to play games or, like, never mind what happens in a movie. The subconscious is there to protect you. And if I... Uh, for example, said to somebody, okay, go to the bank, draw out every single dollar, you know, bring it back here, put it on the table, and forget that you did it, the subconscious would shut me out. I wouldn't be able to get back into it again. And I've had that uh, with a couple of people who have come to me after they've been with other hypnotists who've asked unusual things because they thought it was good therapy. But the subconscious was, uh, was, was upset by it. Uh, and I had to wholeheartedly apologize to the subconscious before we even started. The subconscious was listening all the time. And I had to wholeheartedly apologize and, and, and tell them what I'm here for and, and ask them if there's some way that we can work together. And then I would try and take them into state and the subconscious would come forward. So when I'm speaking to parts, I can't make people do things that the subconscious knows is not um, good for the person. So, but what it does do, it parts don't always grow up with the individual. So if somebody learned as a young boy or a young girl to throw a temper tantrum, they could get what they want. Then they kept on doing it into adulthood uh, to get what they wanted. Or if they're biting your nails, it's uh, because it may give them gratification in some way when they're younger and then kept on going when they're older and the part 
that control that action doesn't necessarily go up with them and mature with them at the same time. So when I speak to the part, then I suggest that, you know, that Inez has been biting her nails and, you know, she's a professional, she's in business. She, she pays a fortune to go to the, um, to go to the uh, cosmetologist or to, to go to the beauty salon and get new nails put on and get them painted. And then she goes ahead and bites them again. <laughs> and, you know, I said, I said, you got to, can, can you see somewhere that you can change that in that the emotion that you're showing we can show it in another way. And we discuss what other reactions they can have. Nine times out of 10, 99.999% times out of 10, the subconscious will say, yeah, yeah, I understand. Yeah, sure, we can change that. They just didn't know. So um, then I found, as I was doing that, that I, I, was, I was doing it consistently and all the time with every client. And then I found that, I'd, I'd say at one particular moment, I'd say to, to the part, I'd say, um, um, you know, what color are you? If you were to be in front of a mirror and see yourself reflected back, what color would you, would you be? And I do that so that I can call it a name. And it'll say uh, red. I know that red and black usually denote something negative. So I'm not letting them go. I don't care how many people are sitting in my waiting room. I'm not letting red or black go until we've mitigated those colors a little bit. But also I'll, I'll say, uh, well, can I call you red? Or I'll say, what emotion do you represent? If they see anger, I'll say, can I call you anger? Can I call you angry? And they'll, they'll say, yeah. And sometimes I'll say, uh, what name? If you had one, what name would you have? And it surprised the heck out of me a number of years ago when this one part said, George. And uh, I have never, I've never had a part give me a Christian name or a human name. It's always been an emotion or a color, always, always. And I'm, I'm, I'm fully and, um, and com comprehensively well-read on the subject. And there are only four or five people who are doing research and parts, ongoing research in, in the world. One of them is in Australia right now, uh, and psychologists, and, and none of them talk about this. So um, then when I, and you can't just say, well, I got to hang up and check with someone and call you back. Well, you got him, you got him. You got to keep on going. Deal with what you're given as a hypnotist. So um, when I started to deal with him, I'd say, uh, they tell me things. I think, and then all of a sudden, my um, parts therapy, or sorry, my um, energy attachment therapy would kick in. And I'd start to ask those questions. Have you ever had a body of your own? How long have you been here? The, were you called in or, or did you grow in? Um, grow in as in like, are you natural? And um, a lot, and just depending on the answers you get. So people will say, no, no, I came in when she was uh, 13 because she was looking for a friend. Have you ever had a body of your own? And they say, um, uh, yeah, but, but it, and I'll say, what happened to that body? Well, it died. Uh, and then we go through the process of releasing that attachment to where it belongs in the universe. And what happens is that uh, there's, there's a process by which we um, guide the soul, that lost soul, to um, the portal or the light. And then a member of, it, of its family will come, or an angel, or an arch, sometimes they ask Archangel Michael himself to come and come and take them to where they belong in the universe. Because they belong somewhere. 
Um, souls don't die. They go off into perpetuity, their energy. Energy lasts forever. Uh, but sometimes they, like I said in the last radio show, sometimes they get stuck in a human being and they, um, and they can cause problems. But it's against karma for an energy to live inside somebody else's energy. Um, there's only one or two times, um, you know, in Journey of Souls, um, the doctor talked about he had come across a couple of, which used to be our Bible. Uh, you know, it started everything, Journey of Souls, by Dr. Michael... Um, Newton. Dr. Michael Newton, uh, who's still alive and teaching, as a matter of fact. Um, and he used to be our... It was our Bible, by which a lot of us learned energy and life between lives, Bardo. Mm -hmm. um, it just expanded a fair amount from, from, from what he postulates. So anyway, uh, he had said that once or twice he'd come across attachments and he would leave them there because it was a grandmother staying with a granddaughter or, or, and, and, it, and he would say, well, I'll come back in a week's time. I'll talk to you again, but discuss it between the two of you and see whether you really want to stay here because the content, the subconscious mind of the, of the living person of an S would say, no, I need my grandmother here. I know she's here. I need her here. She's the, she's the only person I can get confidence from. I need her here. Um, and he was a psychologist, so it wasn't a case of, um, you know, he, he had to deal with a psychiatrist. He could make the decision himself. So he made the decision. He'd say, if you'd like to stay, then I won't trouble you. You can stay. Now, that's few and far between. I had a client, how old was he, uh, 61, 62? Uh, and his grandmother, I found, was attached to him. Now his grandmother was a happy-go-lucky soul. She she found the good and everything, and and uh, she had stayed with him all these years, and he was as surprised as I was. And, and like I, I, I said, what's your name? And she told me, and and he was surprised because he has never talked to his to me about his grandmother. Never, never. So I knew it was legit. He knew it was legit. Um, and I said, your grand. I spoke to his grandmother. And I said, it's not. It's not really apropos that you stay. You know, he's sixty-one. You've been with him for uh, fifty years. I think he knows how to respond positively now. Do you feel if you look to the light, there'd be somebody there who'd be waiting for you? And she did. And her husband was there. So I, um, I went through the process of getting her to release and go with her husband to go where she belonged to the universe. And there was no difference with, um, with my client. Like it didn't break down all of a sudden. He just, <laughs> because the, the reactions that she had prompted him to adopt, which were make something positive out of every negative situation, were so inert in him after 50 years of, of push by her that, you know, like he wasn't going to lose it sort of thing. Yeah. So, so, uh, you know, when you talk about, um, um, hypnotherapy and you talk about ghosts, they're not ghosts. They're just, <laughs> they are just, uh, souls that haven't gone the full length. And I'll tell you what, Dr. Edith Fiore, who is a psychologist in the U.S., who's very, very well known for her work in this area. She said, quote, earthbound entities are simply those who did not make the natural transition 
the higher planes of existence, heaven. Possession, or when they attach, reinforces the evidence suggesting that once the physical body dies and that personality survives, that we are immortal beings. And that is what metaphysics is all about. Um, and metaphysics is a philosophy, not a religion. Although there's metaphysical Christians and Christian metaphysicists and all sorts of names when yeah. you go out there. Lots of labels for everybody. <laughs> yep, yep. But uh, metaphysics really is the examination of that which is beyond. It's a, it works for the soul. So, um, um, so metaphysics will work with the soul as well as the current personality and putting them in place with what happens afterwards. And as a, and as a, a um, um, physiotherapist, sorry, as a hypnotherapist, physiotherapist. I you know, all, all my clients that come to me, uh, they all know that there's a counseling aspect, but they, but they also know I'm a minister. And they also know I'm not, uh, you know, I don't cram the Bible down their throat. I, I'm not. I'm not one of those, uh, but it's funny that probably about 90% of everybody who comes to me is a Catholic. <laughs> and Catholics are very easy to work with simply because they've been brought up with faith. They believe there's heaven. They believe there's a God. So, it's, so you don't have to. And that's funny too, because Catholics uh, have learned to love and appreciate their priests because they're part of the family, they're part of society, they're part of the community, they're always around. Protestants, me, Protestants are taught to fear their ministers. Because oh, all the really? Protestant ministers do is they say, you don't listen to me, you're all going to hell. <laughs> and and there, was, there was a TV show recently in Toronto, like a game show sort of thing, where um, they would marry two couples on a show, per show. And they would go through all the pre and all the post and all the rest, that sort of stuff. And they got to pick who their ministers were. So this one couple asked whether I could do it for them. And I said, yeah, sure. And we talked about our different views on God and their Protestants. And they said, at one particular point, the bride said, we've been brought up to believe that God, to be very, very afraid of God. And I was stunned, stunned. And I said, why? I mean, you're his daughter. Why? Why? And they said it's just the way we've been brought up, and that's the only way that God will accept us if we fear Him. And I and I I finally said, you know, I don't think we're I don't think we're aligned to to do this service because um, you know God loves you, and whoever's been telling you this, um, you should separate yourself from them immediately. Get away. And of course, they don't. They don't do that because it's sacrilege for them to say to their their preacher, who's filling their mind full of poison. Um, you know, I think you're filling my Look mind like full of poison. I'm going to leave. Well, <laughs> no, I'm uh, just. I'm serious. I'm, a minister. I'm, I'm around people all the time. That's I'm what around you're supposed people. to do. The majority of what I do are funerals when it comes to pastoral work. I mean, um, you know, and there's not there's not a week goes by that I don't. Um, that I don't do a funeral. But perhaps uh, can I take a break before we go any further? Yes, thank you. So we're going to break and we'll see you on the other side. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. We know lasers are in use in almost every aspect of the medical profession these days. Now there's a powerful, unique, and safe laser you can use at home. Quantum scalar wave lasers using Tesla technology allow the body to do what it does best, heal itself. Scalar wave lasers work down to the cellular level and can even reset cellular memory for outstanding outcomes. The quantum lasers use three different wavelengths in one laser for optimum results. It's government approved and safe for home use. For more information, visit Simpson Protocol slash lasers or click the banner on this show's webpage. Hi, this is Inez Simpson. Thanks for listening to the show Hypnosis Everywhere. If this is the first time listening, well, we have a whole treasure trove of shows archived here and on Voice America page and in Hypnosis Everywhere website, all free for you to listen to anytime. The first year's broadcast showed the amazing diversity of the talent and the skills of those people who make up our fascinating hypnosis community. This season, Hypnosis Everywhere, the next level, will delve deep into where modern hypnosis is now taking us, the new discoveries and adventures as we explore this infinite mind of ours. And we explore Simpson Protocol hypnosis that is taking us higher and deeper than ever before. We'll talk about the astounding insights that show us how our mind can shape and change our lives for the better. So come join us on Hypnosis Everywhere, amazing people who are on amazing adventures in this world of hypnosis. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Hypnosis Everywhere, The Simpson Protocol. To reach the show today, send an email to Inez, that's I-N-E-S, at InezSimpson.com. Now, back to this week's program. Uh, welcome back to Hypnosis Everywhere, and we're going to go right back to Reverend Tim. Uh, what were we talking about again? <laughs> you were talking about uh, the different uh, people's beliefs of what God is, uh, Protestants, uh, Catholics, and as a minister, and how this was working into your Well, I'd, I'd, I'm, I'm primarily occupied uh, with two things, counseling, which is hypno, hypno, hypnotherapy, and funerals. And there's not a week goes by that I probably am not involved in a funeral someplace or another. When I, and, I, and I don't say this egotistically, but when I'm standing at the head of the chapel and I'm talking to people about, um, um, you know, their loved one and what a great life they had and we're celebrating their life and I'm telling a few funny stories about their dad and they're chuckling with tears and, and all the rest. If they think that this God that we have is an angry God, they wouldn't laugh at any of that sort of stuff. You know, but the name of the game is that the soul goes somewhere. Uh, you know, it's not just because I'm saying that because uh, it's rote. Um, I have hypnotherapeutically guided people to the place between lives where the soul goes after we die and before we come back to this earth again, if we're going to come back. 
and unless you're 80,000 years old, you're going to come back. Because <laughs> uh, it takes seven to 80,000 years to, um, to go through the process. Um, so I've guided souls there, and I see the looks on their faces. I mean, good friend of yours and mine, Peggy, um, when I was uh, demoing a class, and I took her to and the Light Between Lives, and she was greeted by her grandfather. And just, just the air around her, the attitude around her, she, and she just, she couldn't talk. She said, love, just the love, the love here. She couldn't, she could hardly articulate it. It was so intense. And um, that's the subject, that's what happens with almost everybody I've guided there. And there's therapeutic reasons why you take people there. I don't do it as a, as a, as a Sunday ride. Where you can bring all your girlfriends over on Sunday and I'll take it a life between lives. And I was like, I'm doing the crystal ball thing. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, we go there for a therapeutic reason and to get answers that they can't get any other way. So, like, I know what's up there. And I know what I'm looking forward to. Uh, I know where I'm going. And I have absolutely unequivocally no problem with it whatsoever. I've talked to my son. I, I talked to him just a couple of days ago, as a matter of fact, through a channel. <clears throat> you know, I've talked to my dad. I've talked to my mother. You know, I've, I've talked to people that I'm about to do a service for if they haven't gone all the way. So one of the things that, that is a bit heavy for a lot of people, but one of the things that I've been trusted with is, is I'm able to, in my mind, as I said, they say, oh, family calls up and they say, can you help us with um, an S. Simpson next Thursday on the service because she died yesterday or whatever. I'll say, <laughs> yeah. And then I'll, I'll go looking for an S uh, in my mind. And I've been given the gift of knowing whether you've, whether you've gone all the way or not. And um, surprising how many people I'll find just sitting on a park bench or just floating somewhere. They haven't gone anywhere because they feel that they've done something so bad that they won't, they won't be accepted. They're confused because of the, the way that they die, confuse them that they're dead or any number of reasons why they, why they haven't gone. So because um, I know them and I can talk to them, uh, I'll take them to the light. And I'll ask uh, the archangels to help to take them to where they belong. So I can tell you that there's a place we go. And I can tell you that it's happy. And I can tell you that this human life that we're living for 60 or 70 or 80 or 90 years, we're here to make mistakes. It's our gig. We're, we're here to make mistakes. It's how our soul learns. And our soul, which lasts for into perpetuity, takes a lot longer to, there's five stages to, soul maturation and it takes 70 to 80,000 years before our soul is fully mature and then we will either not have to come back down here ever again or we transition to another state where where we're still working we're still training by the way Jesus um, got to the point he never had to come back down here again but he did for a reason and I, I won't bore everybody with that but uh, when people think, uh, well, uh, Buddha too, uh, let me give this to you. Jesus was Buddha. Oh, Muhammad too. Well, Jesus was Muhammad. <laughs> it's like, you know, um, you know, and people say, ah, I'm telling you, this is the way things have worked. And, and, there, and there is a little warning here. There is a change in the way things are coming soon. 
there are there's so much negativity. I mean, spirit is is vexed at the way that religion has been abused by humans. Uh, if you look at the situation with Donald Trump and how people say, ah, oh, you know, I mean, he's criticizing everything, he caused everything, you know what I mean? Those sort of things, that happens in microcosms every single day in front of us, next to our neighbors and our teachers and our parents, you know, preaching the devil sort of things. Like, it's, it's, it's not that way. And there's a change coming, and um, all, all you got to do is, and you're not going to go to hell. All you got to do is just think light. Think light, get light. Think dark, you'll get dark. Think light. And the golden rule, treat others. That's it. That's the secret to life. I agree with you. Treat people as you should be treated or would like to be treated. And I'll give you the example. So I'm going down. I meet a friend of mine for lunch downtown Toronto. I don't know how many listeners know the highway system in Toronto, but it's... uh, um, so you go along, the, it's called the 400 series. So you go get on the 410, go along the 401, get on the 427, get on the Queen Elizabeth way to go into downtown Toronto to meet this friend. And like the closer you get to Toronto, because uh, I'm about uh, a 40-minute drive outside Toronto, the closer, the closer you get to civilization, the more angry people become. So I'm, I'm driving along like this. And there's some guy behind me, and he, I'm going 140 kilometers an hour, which is about 90 miles an hour, or 80 miles, miles an hour. And there's somebody behind me, and I'm not going fast enough for them. The speed limit's only 120, and I'm going 140 already. I'm not going fast enough for them. So they come around, they get in front of me, they cut me off, give me the finger, then they, you know, and they, then I meet them at the stoplight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I know. That's how it works. So um, rather than telling them where I think their relatives have come from, and um, swearing at them and saying not naughty things. Uh, what I started to do a little while ago was I would yell at them, I love you! <laughs> I yelled at my, at my windshield. And then that <laughs> happened three or four times till I got downtown Toronto and I get to the restaurant I park. And, I, and every time I did it, I felt sillier and sillier and I got a bigger and bigger smile on my face. I get into the rest of my friend says, he sees a big stupid smile on the face. He says, what have you done? <laughs> <laughs> and I told him what had happened. He's a psychotherapist. He said, I'm going to start telling my clients to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, when you talk, want to talk about the golden rule, treat others. Yeah. Uh, when in doubt, just look at them and say, I love you. Yeah. And they will either hit you because they're offended by it. They're offended by it because they're angry and they're angry. And it's not your anger. It's their anger because they're afraid of them. They're angry at themselves. You know, if you know psychology, all this is pretty basic. Or they'll just turn around and stomp away. Well, stomp all you want, baby. But I know you're going to think about it for 20 hours or so. <laughs> and next year, you're going to be careful with me. <laughs> that works great. I, I love that story, and I liked it when you told it on the last show. That's why I prodded you to tell it again, because <laughs> there will be different listeners here, and I think that's a great, great story and a great way to treat life. Yep. Yeah. And, and with COVID, you know what? We don't have the, uh, the social crowding we had before. So I told yeah. my wife, you know, I'm, I can really get along with the social distancing, you know, cover yeah. in place. I mean, I, I can get along with that. Because I, uh, you know, I, I counsel by Zoom or in person. But I mean, what, I mean, I, primarily, I'm counseling via Zoom right now. 
Yeah. And it hasn't made any difference. People are still uh, happy with that, to tell you the truth. I think for me, it, it's made it actually easier. People are comfortable in their own home and people are comfortable in their own surroundings and feel safer. So they actually allow more to happen and more uh, just simpler all around, I think. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So social distancing, I can get, I can, I, I can get along with that. I've been, I've been surrounded and you too. I mean, I've been surrounded when you think of the classes we've taught mm-hmm. surrounded by people yeah. for days and days and days at a time, <laughs> you know, and as you get a break and they come up and they say, and this, what are we going to do next? And, and or, and this, can I ask a question or, and this, it's like, and it just, it's my break too, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think there's so such a my, thing as a break when you're teaching. No, no. No. So it's, it's actually, I taught scuba for 20 years and uh, you get great breaks. You're under the water and you, you just uh, sort of sit there and breathe a little bit and go, ah, this is nice. <laughs> Everybody's safe. I think I'd have to see a hypnotherapist about my probably fear of going underwater all that way. So. Is that right? You know yeah. what? It's very amniotic. It is. <laughs> Okay, that sounds good. I, I'll have Just to re- rethink way. myself. Well, get Martin to hypnotize you and say you're not in the pool. You're in, you're in your mother's womb. Forget how safe it is. Isn't it wonderful? Oh, let's go <laughs> scuba diving. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So well, tell us a little bit about what you perceive. You're using the word light quite a bit. And then I, I understand what you're talking about, what I need for the people out there to make sure they're hearing the word and knowing what it is. Positive vibration, just being positive. Yeah. When it's really easy. There's no like man in the mountain, what's the answer situation. It's, uh, and for example, how many times have you been in a shopping mall or somewhere in public and the little kitties are acting up and mama or papa turned around and says, oh, you're so stupid. Ooh. Whoa, that's positive. <laughs> <laughs> but how many times... Um, uh, equally, have you been out somewhere and you've seen somebody being very loving and responding in a very patient, empathetic manner? They're kitties. I mean, they don't know the rules. And there's 30 and 40 and 50-year-old people who still don't know the rules. <laughs> so why shouldn't we be quietly empathetic with them rather than the judgmental? And being judgmental means that, um, you know, they're for the grace of God go I, or like, why are you judging? Who give you the right to judge somebody? You don't know what they've been through. You don't know what has happened to them that morning or in their childhood. You don't know how bad of a life they've had. So why are you judging just because they go like, get out of my way? You know, I mean, they, maybe they're about to believe that's the way you treat people. So the case of, you know, don't be angry at them. Don't be angry at yourself because you didn't respond like, uh, you know, a martial arts expert. Just get out of the way. You know, what the heck? I mean, what, what does it hurt? Just stand by and say, well, that, what's that hurt? You know, so you translate that to all portions of life. It's being positive. Yeah. If you think positively, then your vibration goes up. And what happens when you talk about attachments, I've talked about attachments. When attachments are, are, are around, if you are negative and you have a lower vibration, they sent you and they want to come to you because they're negative also. I'll give you an example. 
my wife uh, went through a cancer journey for three years. Um, and um, well, there's an awful lot of anger uh, with cancer patients, especially ones I used to smoke, like my wife. Um, anger, 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 anger. And she would sit there and just seethe, and I could see it. And after she had one third of one lung taken out, she just like, because she thought I've killed myself. I've killed myself. And, it, and counselor as I am, you know, you tend not to take advice from your professional spouse. You know, I mean, they need somebody else. They won't take it from me. Um, and I was clearing like spirit out of here all the time who were coming in. And they weren't devils or anything. They were just negative spirits coming in to join a negative spirit. And I was clearing them out of here, left, right, and center. So, I mean, finally, I thought, you know what? She's got to have an attachment somewhere. So rather than me doing it, I went to another one of your guests, Elizabeth Rose. And I said, Elizabeth, between the two of us, let's get spirit on the, on the line here and, and see if my wife has an attachment. That day, she was at lunch at work. Um, and it was 1230 at lunchtime. And there wasn't attachment, so um, we released it. And then that night I said to her, um, she came home and I said, uh, do you have any change of how you felt today? And, um, you know, she said, no, 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 sort of thing. And a couple of days later, she told me that her number two, the person who, who um, reports to her and, and runs her department for her, came to her and said, you know, you know what, it was really funny the other day at lunch, around 12.30, your mood completely changed. Is because we we released a negative uh, attachment at twelve thirty. Yeah, but my, I've had but my, wife, like that too. my, my wife won't believe me. Uh, well, uh, that's okay. Uh, but <laughs> guess what? We're going to break again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash Voice America. We know lasers are in use in almost every aspect of the medical profession these days. Now there's a powerful, unique, and safe laser you can use at home. Quantum scalar wave lasers using Tesla technology allow the body to do what it does best, heal itself. Scalar wave lasers work down to the cellular level and can even reset cellular memory for outstanding outcomes. The quantum lasers use three different wavelengths in one laser for optimum results. It's government approved and safe for home use. For more information, visit Simpson Protocol slash lasers or click the banner on this show's webpage. Hi, this is Inez Simpson. Thanks for listening to the show Hypnosis Everywhere. If this is the first time listening, well, we have a whole treasure trove of shows archived here and on Voice America page and in Hypnosis Everywhere website, all free for you to listen to anytime. The first year's broadcast showed the amazing diversity of the talent and the skills of those people who make up our fascinating hypnosis community. This season, Hypnosis Everywhere, the next level, will delve deep into where modern hypnosis is now taking us, the new discoveries and adventures as we explore this infinite mind of ours. And we explore Simpson Protocol Hypnosis that is taking us higher and deeper than ever before. We'll talk about the astounding insights that show us how our mind can shape and change our lives for the better. So come join us on Hypnosis Everywhere, amazing people who are on amazing adventures in this world of hypnosis. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Hypnosis Everywhere, The Simpson Protocol. To reach the show today, send an email to Inez, that's I-N-E-S, at InezSimpson.com. Now, back to this week's program. So, welcome back, everybody. And we're talking to Reverend Tim Jones, and I'm just going to ask him a, a question, because this is something that bothers me quite a bit. This is a question that when I watch shows... I've watched a few shows. I don't usually watch them long, uh, but I've watched a few shows where mediums are going through and they have a detective, etc., and all that, and they correlate what she tells them with uh, past history and stuff, and which is partly good. The only part that makes me so upset about it is that they leave those people that are there, the ones that are lost. They're not gone anywhere. And they have the skill to do that. And that really bothers me. So can you you sort of talk to me about that a little bit? Uh, I agree. Now, this is only one man's opinion. I I got my training as a psychic and as a medium with somebody in Toronto here. And everybody is psychic. All human beings are psychic and have intuition. We're all born with it. But what happens is we get to a certain age, you know, I mean, we're playing with our invisible friends in the backyard. Daddy comes out and says, and now it's time to come in for dinner. You go, well, I'm playing with uh, grandma. And if he's been in a bad mood that day, I'll say, and don't be silly. You know, there's no such thing as ghosts and your grandma's dead. Come on in. Well, after a little while, you, you learn to suppress that gift that you have because there's no, nobody has any patience for it. Um, and I'll tell you a funny thing. What tends to happen is your intuition is suppressed most of your life because you're working and you're trying to get ahead in your career. You're trying to get an education. And dad and mom said there's no such thing. Uh, but then it resurges again in the 40s. In your 40s, in a little bit, maybe you're 50, it resurges again. And then people, and most of my clients are women. Uh, well, all of them are, are women primarily, and they're in their um, uh, mid-40s, early 50s, and they're incredibly intuitive. And I say to them, have you ever done any training or anything? And they, they say no. But aside from the fact that women are usually more intuitive anyway, especially mothers, um, what happens is that um, a lot of so-called psychics who set up may well have psychic abilities. Mm-hmm. They may well have... Um, ability to be able to talk to your dead grandmother. But if they haven't been trained properly on how to conduct the conversation, then they can, they can hurt people and they don't help the, the soul that's come. So, so let's say the soul has gone to the light and it's, um, and it's gone in the right place and it comes back. And a lot of time, grandmothers or grandfathers or aunts or uncles or parents, they'll just come to say hello. Sometimes they just want to tell you how, how proud they are of you. Um, but you know, we listen to media and we take it all the wrong way. But if a medium who is reading for you, a perfect example, there's a, 
a, a girl I know very, very well. She's one of my dive students. I've known her for years. And then she was in the U.S. and she was working as a, um, a personal support worker for a woman who was dying of cancer. So she, um, she died of cancer and, and then she loved the woman like crazy because she treated her so well. So then about uh, two weeks, three weeks after the, uh, the funeral, she went to a soothsayer who was advertised all over the internet as being Akron and being this and being that. And she said, you know, I mean, can I, can I speak to my friend? I, I just miss her like crazy. And he, and she sent me the tape recording that they made and he, he prodded her like, uh, I'm getting a W. I'm, I'm getting a W. Is there a W in her name somewhere? It's like, what is this? What is this frigging guesswork? I mean, either you know or you don't know. Names for mediums are very hard. Just to let you know, a lot of times mediums will will not know the name. Like my father, when Elizabeth Rose, who you and I both know to be very accurate, was uh, and 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 she said, "There's somebody who has come. Her name, his name is Wa." She just couldn't get it. My father's first name was Walter. (laughs) Yeah. But you know how accurate Elizabeth is. I mean, she's 99% all the time. So it just goes to show that even the most accomplished are very, very, very difficult to get names properly. Yeah. So he's guessing away what's this W and what's the E and he guessed her all the way through. And he, what did he charge her, America? And I think it was. it was close to $250 American and he didn't tell her anything real. And I, and I said, listen, baby, what you got to do is you can't go to a medium for six months because it takes six months for your loved one to orient themselves as to where they are, where you can talk to them as immediately upon transition. The dear friend of mine, Ted uh, Robinson, I'm the, within half an hour from transitioning um, where he came through. And then I got in touch with him two days later and had a great conversation with him. And then, um, you know, after that, I, I tried myself and somebody else came for him and said, he's just recovering right now. I'm just here to tell you that he's okay. Um, you know, so there's, you don't, any competent medium will tell you, um, when do they die? You know, wait until it's been six months, then come to me. Then they can get true spirit coming through. And you know, and you get the other, and you get the other, and a lot of the mediums they don't. When somebody comes and when the spirit comes and is troubled, rather than sending it away, uh, they should be asking the archangels to come and help the spirit to go to where it belongs. They should be asking for help. And when no. you talk about that too, you talk about the Catholic exorcism thing. Yeah, I, I thought it, this was, uh, it was so amusing. Two years ago, in the newspapers in Toronto. The Catholic Diocese in Toronto was advertising for priests to come help them to do excommunication, to be, uh, sorry, to be trained to do exorcism. uh, exorcisms. Yeah. I thought, isn't that the craziest thing? They're running short of priests to do exorcisms. Now, I know what they do. I've got the wording of exactly how they do it. But they use scripture, left, right, and center all over the place. I, tell you from people that I know that have worked in the dark, that have been asked by Jesus to work in the dark and they've been protected while they're working there uh, and others um, that 
the, the dark is not what you think it is. I mean, they're, I was saying to somebody the other day, they were talking about somebody who they can evil. And I, and I, I threw my mind to them and sensed them. And I said, they're not evil. They're just so immature. They're so negative that, you know, they, they, they think pulling up, pulling wings off a fly is a really neat thing. And, and, and they think pulling wings off a human, you know, so to speak, is a really neat thing. It's because they're negative, negative, negative. They just yeah. haven't had the opportunity to raise a vibration, to be around advantageous life situations where they can yeah. see light somewhere. So the human, the human drive to stay alive at all costs kept them alive, but it didn't keep them alive in any great condition. So you see these people, and, and you see them in jails all the time, who don't mind taking human lives. And as a, as a police officer and a private investigator for close to 30 years, I've met what people would, would consider truly, truly evil. evil people. And in retrospect, when I look back on them, uh, you know what? They were just people who just were so negative, so negative. They weren't the devil. They weren't evil they're just so negative that their natural response to anything immediately was negativity. And those people are around us. Yeah. And, then, and, 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 and uh, you know, to go a little further, and uh, I told you I'm not a crazy religious person. God loves them too. Can you repeat that? God loves them too. Okay. Do you want me to repeat it again? <laughs> no, no, that's good. No, no, it's just that your voice went whoop off. Well, there was a glitch in the screen. God was doing something there with us there. <laughs> but anyway, God loves them too. It doesn't matter what they're like. They're, they're, so, still love, they're still love there for them. Yeah, and I agree with that. And so getting back to just uh, the exorcisms and all that kind of stuff, I think if you do them in the right way, it's always about um, – helping that person even if they're considered negative or anything that's why i kind of liked um, irene hickman's uh, approach about getting them to look at the light inside them because there was always uh, some tiny bit somewhere that was still and that could grow there anyway. there are people who are who are who are running irene hickman's school right now and they were in toronto for something and i i don't know i forget how i got in touch with them and they said they were going to drive from Ottawa, older seeing relatives, and through Toronto to the airport, go down to, to uh, Buffalo, and then they were going to take a flight internationally back to Britain from Buffalo. I said, well, listen, if you're going to be here, why don't you come here and have lunch with us? So we sat out in the backyard for, uh, you know, like a whole afternoon and talked about Irene and talked about, you know, and everything else. And, and I thought, wow, what an incredible experience. I've never had this opportunity in any other way. Yeah, I think she was pretty incredible. Yeah, well, she yeah. was a DO, eh? Yeah, and and their um, their their oath they take is not not to do any harm to anybody. It's like to help people in any way possible. So that's why she took up hypnotherapy because right, she found right. that was a great way to help people. Yeah, she was a great person, I think. So. Telling now we need to move on a little bit because I see the end of the show coming soon. And we, I'd like to talk a little bit about the situation we're in now as we start. As some of us are still in lockdown. Some of us are easing out. Uh, all of those things and, and a little bit of uh, the fear that's been instilled in us and now to move back into 
semi-normal sort of circumstances. So what's your uh, idea about that? How, I mean, you and I are hypno hypnotists or hypnotherapists, whatever you want to call it, give us our designation. But we're here to help people with their anxiety, and I think there's going to be lots of anxiety. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's because um, people are – I said to my wife just last night, we were talking about this. So do you remember – did you see that picture of CNN that they had of – the hundreds and the hundreds of people in that one pool um, I, that open up for the weekend, Memorial oh Day God. weekend? No, I didn't. I saw some other pictures, though, that had huge amounts of people together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, I, and, I, and, I, and, and my wife was decrying the destruction going on in Minnesota. And I, she said, what sort of people? And this is not about the dead youth anymore. And I said, it's the very same with people going into the pool. They know that COVID's out there. We know it's a scientific medical fact, although a bit overblown for the uh, yeah. political uh, usage. But here we have hundreds and hundreds of people all urinating in the same pool. And I <laughs> <laughs> what a, but they're all, what rubbing, a, shoulders, what a, all rubbing shoulders with each other and there's no masks. Yeah. But the funny thing is, is when you're watching the rioters in Minnesota, a lot of them, all have masks on. So you're going, ah, gee, that's funny. The name of the game is it's mob mentality, Ines. Mob yeah. mentality. So we've been told that if we get, when I go to the grocery store, I mean, you know, some people are dressed up like, like surgeons, for God's sakes. You know, it's like, I mean, I wear gloves because I'm pushing a cart, and I wear uh, this because I don't want people to get nervous around me. Um, but I also saw uh, a thing that used for University of Toronto had where they had a, what they call a cough box. So they had someone who was just talking into it, and there's, they're using a lot of P's and B's. So the boot and the piece and there are droplets that come just from speaking that will go three feet. Yeah. Just from speaking, like you and I are right now. Even if you have minimal saliva flow, just like we are. So that's why we wear the mask, because when we're around other people, and they might be infected and we don't know it, then we minimize our chances. But that doesn't mean that we, uh, that we have to run around thinking everybody has a bu bubonic plague. They don't. I mean, it's just, um, you know, I, th I think it's by far overstressed, scaring people like crazy. You know, and all you got to do is go on out and do your thing. But being in groups was never a good idea to start off with. I mean, flu season. Most innocent of things that we take for granted in flu season, you're standing in a group. <coughs> yeah. And you got it. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, people should just relax, live their lives. But this is a chance to live your lives with your family and reacquaint yourselves with your family and your loved one. Rather than having such a busy life that people get married, and I come across this all the time as a counselor. For 20 years, they don't know each other. Then 20 years later, they want to get separated because they don't know each other anymore. They've changed so much in the time they've been raising children. They just don't know each other anymore because they never kept in touch. Okay. just And there's also, um, Martin says we have two minutes left, and he would like you to talk about uh, bringing up vibration a little bit further because we'd want to leave them with some concrete stuff to do. Vibration is caused by a positive thought. What you think is what you get. 
So if you take 20 minutes every day and just sit in an easy chair and think, you don't have to be accomplished like an S. Simpson. Um, you know, and the Simpson Protocol, by the way, has changed innumerable people around the, around the world. Thank you for, for Thank bringing you. it into a cohesive whole. You'd be remembered for that. Thank you for that. Um, and you're probably in my soul group, so I'll be sitting there in a soul group saying, oh, no, she was a show-off who made that one. <laughs> <laughs> probably. But, but all you got to do is... All you got to do is sit in the chair and, and count your blessings. You know, it sounds like old school, but just sit there and say, you know, it rained today, but, you know, my flowers are going to bud and the grass is going to look terrific. Nothing bad about rain. However, if it's sunny, I was like, oh, you know, I bet I bet you the, the grass is going to grow. What a nice day it was. So rather than saying, oh, what a frigging awful day it was raining today. I mean, you feel badly saying it. What's wrong with the rain? You know, it's a natural function. It does things. It, it you know, does great things. So just think nicely of things and people for five or so six. So now or I'll, I'm going to have to say positive things to you because it's the end of the show. And I love you. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> just don't drive around me. on that note, I think we're going to say goodbye to everyone and we'll see them next time. All righty. You take care. Thank you for being a part of the show today. Be sure to tune in next Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for another edition of Hypnosis Everywhere, The Simpson Protocol with host Inez Simpson. We can't wait to have you join us again next week.